The viewpoints expressed on Night Fright are not necessarily those of the host, the staff, the sponsors, or the affiliate stations. Tonight's program may contain graphic themes or images. Viewer discretion is advised. There we go. John, I'm just going to adjust my hair for a second. There we go. That's better for the people on radio. <laughs> Showtime. Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Holland, and welcome to Night Fright. John Ventry's here. He's the host of History Channel's Hangar One, and he is back. And is he chock full of brand new stories that are going to chill you folks? Now listen, it's a crisp fall evening out there tonight. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look outside, open up those curtains, take a look at the sky, but settle in your most comfy chair, because the stars are bright as ever. However, that moon is hovering, and that's hovering ominously. It's a great night to settle back near the fireplace, get in your most comfy chair, get the coffee going, get the tea going, or a beverage of your choice. And here's where we're going to go tonight with the new book by John Ventry. The UFOologist, the haunting, yes, that's the right word, the haunting of John Ventry. Now, folks, John Ventry is the well-known host of History Channel's hit TV show, Hangar One. John is also the Pennsylvania director for MUFON, that's the Mutual UFO Network. John's appeared on Anderson Cooper, History Channel, Discovery Channel, and many others, as well as Night Fright. Tonight, John will tell us of his ongoing personal experiences that UFOs and aliens may not be from far-off extraterrestrial worlds. After all, they may in fact be, are you ready, demonic in nature. Now, whoa, 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 I hear you all now. Listen to the show and decide afterwards. Now, this is also a possibility shared by names like, and people will know these names, they've been on the show, Nick Redfern, Jacques Vallée, and John Keel. Through John's close encounters and an all-too-real personal haunting, John paints an ominous picture of what might really be behind the proliferation of UFO sightings and aliens. John, welcome back to the show. Now, when you contacted me, you said you were under demonic attack. What's going on in Pennsylvania? What's happened, John? 
Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I when I was on your show last time, I wanted to talk about UFOs, but I had just had a demonic encounter. See, all my life I've had paranormal activity, and I've always been confused. What Am I dealing with the paranormal, or am I dealing with an alien abduction? Because I had out-of-body experiences, I had lucid dreams with, with these hybrid kids, you know, but there was this scariness to it you know that i was waking up really afraid and like something was in the room so you know i even spoke to dr david jacobs and he said no what you're describing is not the typical alien abduction so uh so what happened was when i was on your show last time uh i talked about what was uh, really stage one of what happened which was june of 2014 and uh it went away, but kind of came back in January and in April. And you know, it's funny, you're talking about the weather and how crisp it is. If you remember back then, I had this woman who helped me uh, bless the house and drive it out. Yes. And she exactly. knew all about it. She she knew, she just texted me. She's October 1st, she said, October 1st. She said, uh, Halloween is around the corner. Are you concerned? Because the window opens up Halloween night. And the peak of demonic activity and attacks is November. That's the peak, the month of November. And last time, from, well, what happened last year is what I'm going to get into. I want to talk about UFOs, but I can't get to it. Uh, what happened basically was uh, they came back at Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, the, I hear I... The demonic uh, beings yeah. or the UFOs? No, the demonic. No, oh. uh, you know, you know, and this is like, you know, like I was saying, I was thinking back of different things that happened. I think I told you last time there was this person standing down the hallway with yeah. me. He was like long arms and legs. You know, I'm watching a movie last night and it's uh, what they call it, the crooked man. It's it's like a, like a British type of, of creature. And I'm looking at it with the long arms and, and everything the way it was. And I was saying that was like, but that's a demonic entity, you know. But so, so what happens now, and that's why I said I've always been confused. Am I dealing with an alien abduction or am I dealing with demonic? So I'm convinced at this point that everything that's happened to me has been demonic, not alien. So uh, Can we back up for a second? I just yeah. want to ask you, when you have those lucid dreams of hybrid kids, what do they look like? Yeah, well, there were two. And the weird thing was when it happened, I wrote it down. And then years later, when I wanted to put it in my book, I had a totally different description in my mind. I had completely forgot about the kid that I wrote down. And in my memory, I had a totally different looking kid. <laughs> I mean, it, it was weird. So I'll tell you what they look like. When it, when it happened, and this was, uh, that was in 1999, actually. It was when I went to my, and this is another thing, I went to my first UFO conference ever. I just joined MUFON in 98, 99. And it, so now I question, why does it happen after attending a UFO conference for three days? It's a three-day conference. And I have this thing, which I thought was, maybe it was an abduction. There was actually a UFO, two of them reported in West Virginia and State College, Penn State. My house was in a direct line, so I'm thinking UFO. But the, here's the weird thing. The kid that I wrote down was this kid with big eyes. He had straggly hair, like bad hair plugs, 
but he had these giant forearms like Popeye, and the bone protruded out about two inches from the end. And I have a Doberman. I've always had Dobermans. The dog was floating in the air vertically with his legs sticking out, and the kid was poking him in the ribs. And I'm yelling at the kid. And this is, to me, it was real. I'm yelling at this kid, stop poking my dog, stop, and he wouldn't stop. It was like a, he was a 10-year-old kid, was about his size, and, and, and the dog's floating in the air. So I wrote that down. So then years later, when I wanted to put it in one of my books, I, started, I said I want to write down my uh, paranormal experiences. I'm thinking, what happened? What I remembered was a kid, he had like a, uh, almost like a, a, a mouse-type face, a uh, rat boy, you know, like you ever see, sure. you see a movie, the rat boy had a rat boy type face and nose hair was slicked back, very thin, gaunt face, wearing a dark outfit. It, it, it reminded me of Nosferatu, the vampire. Yes. That, that's exactly what, not exactly what it looked like, except it had the mouth, the, the rat boy face. And, I, you know, and I, I wrote it all out. And then I said, well, let me, uh, I wanted to get the exact date because my girlfriend at the time was the one who looked on the site and saw the two UFOs. And I always saved that email. So I went back to my notes. I took it out when, where I wrote down my description. And that's where I looked at the description and said, oh, yeah, that happened too. So it's like, how do I, I, I you know, it's like two memories of the same thing, one totally different from the other. So, uh so that's what they looked like, you know. Those were the two kids that that uh, I saw in my what if it was a lucid dream, because I also had an out of body experience. Tell us about that. Well, it I it's I come back from the UFO conference, so I go to bed obviously, and I have this is the second out of body experience I had. I had one at twelve, and now I'm forty two, exactly thirty years later, and it's July, it's summertime, and. Uh, I just what all I remember is floating above my house, the peak of the house. It was nighttime. I could see my green Grand Cherokee parked in the driveway, and and it was there the next morning. And uh, I could see the peak of my house, like the end of this desk. And I said to myself, "Reach out and touch it," because I know in the past I had an, another lucid dream at, at like 13. If I once I was able to move, I woke up, and I didn't do it. I just I conked out. So that's all I remembered was floating. But I'm telling you, the, the roof, the peak of the roof was right here. I could have reached and touched it. And I'm sure at that point I would have come fully awake and seen myself floating above my house at about 35 feet in the air. But, um, you know, that's that stuff. And that's why I was always confused. Am I dealing with a UFO, an abduction, hybrid kids? You know, but then there was always the the... The other stuff, you know, the, the knocking, the noises, uh, footsteps, you know, there was things that didn't sound like UFO. So, so you know, I described what had happened on the last time on the show. So what happens, and you get, this is so creepy. You can't make this stuff up, right? You cannot make this up. It's Thanksgiving week. My daughter lives in North Carolina, so she's flying up to my house for Thanksgiving. I always get my kids for Thanksgiving. They see their mother for Christmas. It's been that, like that since they were little kids and we got divorced. So she's coming up on, on Wednesday, and uh, Monday, I always keep the bedroom doors closed upstairs, you know, for heat and everything else. I go upstairs and her bedroom door is wide open. 
And that's never happened. I said, how did it open? I mean, the dog can't open the door. You got to turn the handle. So I walked down the, the hall. I closed the door. Tuesday night, uh, well, Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday night, I go to bed again. I go upstairs. I look down the hallway. Her bedroom door is wide open. Now, she was supposed to sleep over with her husband. And I'm telling you, Brent, it was sending me a message because she was attacked in 2010 in that bedroom by two shadow people. So it was sending a message that we know she's coming. Now, up until that point, because they're, they're right around you. They can read what you what you write. They can read what you type on your computer. They hear your phone conversations. They're all around us, these things. You know, they're invisible just like angels, demons. They're here, and I'll prove it to you in a few minutes. So she calls me and tells me, Dad, I'm not, com I'm not staying at your house. My, my son moved here <laughs> since the last time we talked. I get a call out of the blue. He's moving from D.C. here. He lives 10 miles from me now. Now, tell me there isn't a God. That came out of nowhere, and he decided to, to live right near me. So she goes, we want to stay over Nolan's house, and we're going to And I said, the whole five nights? You're not staying here once? And she goes, yeah. I was a little annoyed, right? So, uh, and, and at the time, I thought, well, maybe the dog opened the door. I didn't realize what was going on. From that conversation on, what happens is I hear this tapping on the walls, constant tapping, you know, like somebody beating a drum, blah, 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 blah. And, and you can actually go to the wall and put your hand, you feel the vibration, you hear the noise, it was like constant. No matter what room I'm in, it will, uh, my dog just heard me, he's going crazy now. It's okay. <laughs> he's a 108, 110 pound Doberman and, and vicious, right? So, um, so what happens now, I, then, so we, I go to Thanksgiving over my son's house, my daughter's there, all of that. And uh, now I come home Thanksgiving night, I, I walk into my bedroom, something sticks me in the thigh like a sewing needle. I actually jump like, whoa, what was that? It happens again the next night. The walls are tapping all night, bang, 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 all night on, on the walls. Uh, now I'm starting to hear, if you remember, remember the Exorcist movie, that sliding sound in the ceiling, like a body being dragged, creaking sounds. There'll be pinging sounds all around the room. Uh, and then, you know, as I fall asleep, you'll hear a loud bang in the corner. It wakes you up. Then it's the bang in the opposite corner behind you as you're laying on your side. So it's, you know, and, and you're getting these noises. Uh, this actually goes on for uh, probably about two weeks. And uh, then one time I lay down, I, I hit the pillow, something sticks me right in the forehead. I mean, I thought I got bit, I thought I got bit by a wasp or something or a spider. And it was like, I sat up, I said, wow, that hurt. I laid back down, it hurt twice as much like a nail, like, some, like, a, like the old hag woman taking her nail and sticking it right into your forehead. And I said, oh my God, I got up out of bed. I looked in the mirror to see if I had, you know, and there was nothing there, not, not a red spot, nothing, right? Any smell so, associated with that at all, John? Any kind of fermentation? No, the smell was back in uh, June of 14. Right. And when we get to June of 16, the smell was back. But I'm still in November, December of 15. No, it's not gone. It's not gone. And I'll, I'll tell you the whole story. 
So uh, now here's now here's uh, what happens next is these noises, the banging, the sliding, all of that, the the sounds. Uh, so I, there's this really loud. I'm telling you, like a sonic boom, boom, and you hear the ceiling creak. It sounds like a crushing a soda can. The whole ceiling creak, the loud. You know, I sat up and I did what that woman who came over my house in 14 did. That Jesus Christ, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ commands you to leave. You have to obey Jesus Christ. Go back to where you came from. You're not. In, I went through the whole thing that she said, and it stopped. It was quiet, right? I laid back down. I did what she did. I laid back down. I, I nodded off maybe 10 minutes, but you can't sleep. It's sleep deprivation is what they do to you. So what happens is... I wake up, I open my eyes, because you're always looking around the room thinking, and I sleep in the pitch black. You know, I, I don't have a light on or anything. So often I, I look around and it's like, I sit up in bed and I look around and I say, wow, that's the darkest I've ever seen my bedroom. Because a minute ago there was moonlight coming in. You know, once your eyes adjust, you can see the dresser down the hallway, the bathroom, you know, because there's light coming in. I looked around, I said, wow, there is not a any light coming in I, and in my mind because you're always thinking logically i'm saying wow was there like a lunar eclipse what happened to the moon i said well that's fine i love sleeping in pitch black i sleep good right i, I lay back down all of a sudden that boom the sliding was twice as loud the corner creaking was so loud you would have thought a tornado hit the house from the inside was the right? dog barking going crazy no, the dog was out in the hallway, sleeping in the hallway, because he had become vicious with me at times. He bit my hand a couple of times. He's a big dog. Right. So, yeah, there was some things going on with the dog now. And uh, I don't know if it was it had gotten to him. I know that it tried to hurt the dog because the dog had protected me. And I'll get to that uh, in, in a second. So at this point, I said to myself, it's going to attack. That's the pitch blackness. It's going to attack me. You know, this is going to be like the Exorcist movie. I'm going to, the sheets are going to get pulled off. I'm going to fly up in the air, arch back. My eyeballs are going to go, roll back in, in my head. I said, I'm not going to allow this. So again, I, I sat up, Brent, and as nasty as the New Yorker in me is, because that's where I grew up, I said, I did it again. I went through the whole thing. But the funny thing is I added something to it. And just kind of like in my mind, I said, if you, if you, disobey Jesus Christ, you will go to the lake of fire now instead of at the end of days. As soon as I said that, all of a sudden, that the veil of blackness lifted. I, for about three seconds, I could see this wall of black going up. And was, what happened was the light caught my attention. The moonlight came in. It was only maybe a half a moon, third of a moon. But all of a sudden, I could see light, light, light. And, and in that two or three seconds that the moonlight came in, like a screen going up, the blackness just lifted up and it went quiet. And I, I'm telling you, you know, it, it, your mind wants to be logical and you're trying to process this. And, and it's like... It wasn't until a few days later, what happened, Brent, was I, uh, I always let my dog out uh, through the basement, you know, to go out every morning. It was like two or three days later. Now it's quiet in the house. I go downstairs to let my dog out. Before I get to the sliding glass door, a hand reaches down from the ceiling on my head like this. Oh. 
it was only it was a huge hand. It had to be like Shaquille O'Neal's hand. It was gigantic. I could only feel three fingers because the hand was so big and the finger it had to be about that long, like a giant, you know? But they were spongy. The fingers were spongy. It was like taking a sponge, but it had enough of you know strength to it, and it went on my head like this. Doesn't that sound like an alien to you? No. What we would uh, perceive as an alien? I don't know. You know, but so I jumped, I turned, and I said, you can't do that, you know, because it's making physical contact. It's one thing to make noises, right? So then it was nothing. I started thinking about this, and I said, you know what? You know, because your mind has to process it. First, I looked up to see, is there cobwebs hanging? Is there something hanging from the seal? I mean, this was, uh, it was, I know what it was. It was three fingers, you know. But uh, I started thinking about it, and I said, Brent, I said to myself, there was nothing negative about that. That is the way I would put my hand on a kid's head. It's the way I would pet my dog. It was, it was a blessing. So I said, I said, I was standing in the presence of angels and demons three nights earlier. When that thing was there to launch an attack, somebody, my guardian angel, Michael, Jesus, somebody was there and repelled it because I called upon Jesus for help. So this, what this was, was a blessing. I'm convinced this is a guardian angel or something, you know? And if, if it is, it stands about eight, nine feet tall because that's about the size that the hand was. This was a blessing that you did good. And I'm telling you, Brent, you can't make this stuff up. That's what happened. Uh, and and, and I, I feel from that point on, you know, it blessed me. I got my grace back, whatever, you know, had been. Because to be honest with you, Brent, I had not given Jesus or God or been to church since 1992 when my wife filed for separation. God was the furthest thing from my mind. I hadn't stepped into church. And uh, I said, you know what? You didn't deliberately sit on the fence and lean, but that's what you were doing. <laughs> you know, you really were because you never called upon him. So when I did, he came to help. And, you know, in my mind, and I don't care what people say, you know, they all, they're laughing at me, they're saying that you don't know what you're talking about, you're turned on UFOs, you know, I'm getting a lot of criticism now, but I know what I experienced. Do you think maybe I, God wants you to call on him more and more? It's a return yeah, to faith for you? Th this Redemption? was a test. This was a test. And, you know, I'm, t I'm telling you, Brent, I'm convinced some people would have invited it in because they want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to make contact with a demon. There's there's a difference between a ghost, a poltergeist. Some go, ghosts are, are dead people. You can communicate. You can do a seance. You can have a medium. That's one thing. This thing that showed up, I, you know, Brent, I'm not afraid of it. The, the human in me wanted to fight it. You know, I do kickboxing. I even challenged it, which you can't do. You can't challenge it. Show yourself. You know, I said, I'll, I'll rip your throat out. It made me so mad that this was in my house. But here I am, a human challenging a more superior creature. You can't do that, you know. Uh, but the funny thing was, you know, your soul, and I've done so much reading, your soul lodges in your brain and down your spinal cord. The whole time this is happening, I'm getting those chills in the back of my head and down my spine, because that's where the soul is, is lodged. My soul is afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it as a human. I want it to appear, and I'm going to attack it. I really am. 
I don't care what it looks like. You know, big bat with wings and horns. I don't care, gargoyle. I'm going to hit it so hard, <laughs> I'm going to knock it back to hell. But my soul knew what it was dealing with because we're down here. These things are much more powerful than us. It was as afraid as afraid, chills going down my spine and everything. Well, so, I think there's oh, something to it, John. I'll tell you why. I had a guest on several weeks ago, Rosalind Hanniger, from Prince Edward Island. So it's it's not really in your neck of the woods at all because yeah. you're in Pennsylvania. But she woke up one night, the same thing, this kind of black engulfing drape, if you will, blocking off all the light. But when she reached out, she touched a physical male figure. But just to bring in the UFO experiences, there had been a rash of UFO sightings in the area. Hmm. And I'm just wondering about the connection between those two. Now, you've got tons and tons of experience with Hangar 1 on UFOs, people talking about their alien abductions and things yeah. like that. How does this entity that attacked you, John, differ from those aliens? But more importantly, how are they the same? Yeah, you see, here's the problem, and I put that in my new book, The Ufologist, The Haunting of John Ventry. I talk about... And you know what's weird? When this started two years ago, June of 2014, yes, it was not it was not only my 20th anniversary of divorce because I'm convinced these things caused it. Uh, I had also, with Fred Saluga, the West Virginia State Director, decided that I'm going to look into the gray alien abduction. I was convinced at that point because it didn't make sense that the grays in my mind were demonic. I did not believe the grays. When something shows up at three in the morning and it comes out of the corner of your room and you have this altered state, out of body experience and, you know, the women and well, even the men, you know, there's some sort of uh, taking of, of DNA and, and all of that. It just didn't seem to me it was so different than what was described in the 60s and 70s where you small, saw a small craft that maybe three, four people can fit in, and you saw people in uniform, and they would uh, physically abduct people. It completely changed, you know, and it, that's a progression that's been going on in this field where uh, it's become more and more malevolent. And the research I did that's in the book is I listed a bunch of markers of demonic possession, and uh, when you look at them, I'd say about 60% of them are an overlap of the UFO abduction also. Mm -hmm. There's so much similarity to the same type of things, the possession going in your body, taking you, you know, um, you know, out of body experiences, altered states, that type of stuff. Matter of fact, Kathleen Morton, who heads up the uh, abduction research for MUFON, I, I gave it to her. She actually flew to my April conference in Erie, PA from Florida. She flew to hear my presentation on all of this and I gave her my research on that because she says nobody's ever done this before, compared the alien abduction to a demonic possession. Um, so, so that's the overlap on that, you know, and, and I'm convinced at this point what I have been dealing with has been demonic. It, has, it, was a, it was almost a trick. You know, why does it come out at a UFO conference when I get home? Uh, you know, the out-of-body experiences, that guy standing down the hallway, the, the dreams, the, the hybrid kids. But there is such a malevolence to this thing. Like I, I told you, my spine yeah. chills, the noises. And, and, and what confirmed it for me is when I went through 
book after book on possession, on exorcism. I read case histories, uh, Malachi Martin, he has five case histories in there, about 80 pages each. Malachi Martin, folks, was a Roman Catholic exorcist. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Father Amareth took his place and he just passed away last week or two weeks ago. He became the head exorcist for, uh, for the church. For the Vatican, but uh, can I just ask you this? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just curious. You know, you've gone to all these symposiums, UFO symposiums. Have any other lecturers or any other attendees um, come to you and said, "You know, I experienced the same thing after I got home from that conference"? Uh, no, but I, what I have found out, uh, not after a UFO conference, where they didn't tell me that part, I have found out that some big names in this field have had demonic encounters. I'm not gonna say their names because they have to be the ones to come out, but I have told the number of people and who are embedded in the UFO field mm -hmm. that every one of you know who they are, and when I told them what happened, they said, I had that happen too. Oh. Uh, when I was younger, I had an entity sit on the bed. I could see the bed go down and feel the weight, something sat there invisible. You know, they've had the banging, they've had the noises, but, you know, there's almost, I feel, one even said to me, I don't talk about it because there's no interest in demonology. People want to hear about UFOs. So what it's telling me is you can't sell your books if they're on demonology. You can sell your books if they're on UFOs. One person actually told me that. It's true, but you can't talk about it. That's even worse than, than the UFO field to bring out. And that's what I'm finding right now, too, is people are really... Well, the UFO people are not interested in that at all. But a number of people, and I'm surprised, high-level people, mm -hmm. they've had they've had clear demonic encounters, and they know it's demonic. So, so is this is this the demons or the devil, if you will, playing with us? Do you feel? I think so. I I, I tell you, Brent. Yeah, I, you know, I wrote a book two years ago called The Case for UFOs. Mm -hmm. it's, I believe, evidence-wise, it is the best case on UFOs out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I go back to it and I look at it because I got pictures, I got documents from the government, and I say, but I know this is real. Here are pictures from airplanes. You see a UFO from above, you're looking down from an airplane window, and they got it, the metallic disc. So, you know, and I put it in this book, we're dealing with two things. We are dealing with the UFO phenomenon. I want to make that clear that I, I know the UFO phenomenon is real because even in cave paintings, rock drawings, petroglyphs, they had a UFO, they had a guy in a uniform, you know, a spacesuit. Mm -hmm. So it is real. But what I question is how much of that encounter are are we are we saying it we want to say always it's ufo nobody wants to say it's demonic because then you did something wrong to bring this on the demons only show up when you're a bad person so you did something nobody wants to say yeah i i, I sinned and the demon and the devil showed up so they say you know what it was a ufo i got abducted but it's it's all the same markers and I think psychologically, that's a big part of it. I don't think people want to admit they encountered a demonic uh, entity and they want to say, well, I didn't really see it, but it had to be UFO. www.nightfrightshow.com, www.nightfrightshow.com. You're going to find several things there. You're going to find two shows in the archives with John Ventry, our guest tonight, and they're called Hangar 1, Part 1, Hangar 2, Part 2. 
Um, also, you're going to find a link to his new book that's just come out, The UFOologist, The Haunting of John Ventry. These are all true stories that he's relating tonight. www.nightfrightshow.com. Just click on tonight's guest book cover. Order the book. Order the book. This is the perfect time for you to get in your cozy chair with the fireplace going. It's cold the Halloween. there. Halloween. <laughs> well, it's perfect, isn't it? It's just, yeah. you know, except it's real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's but, a scary book. Please go ahead. Yeah, but there were, you know, there was more that happened. Uh, you know, January. So that that's all that January. And the most amazing thing is coming up in April. I'll get to that. Uh, January, you get all the tapping, the noises. One night, I'm laying in bed. And I'm kind of like you open your eyes partially. I, I open my right eye. I don't see anything, right? And now I sleep with a nightlight. I cannot sleep without a nightlight. 58 years old last year. I never had a light on. I can't sleep without a light on now. Uh, I open my left eye as I'm laying on my right side. I see three black shadow people going around the ceiling fan in reverse order. Not, you know, not clockwise, counterclockwise. It's the same thing my daughter saw in 2010 when these shadow people attacked her. So the noises, they keep coming and going, but they're not demonic. I would say since I drove them out, they were poltergeists now. You, I'll, hear, I'll hear noises, tapping, uh, you know, I, I saw the shadow people. So what happens is, uh, let's get to April, let's say. Okay. April, I go to visit my, um, well, well let's, let me tell you this, to, show, to prove it's real. The Damien series comes out in March. That's Damien from The Omen, you know, the, the, the Antichrist, right? right. Yep. Now, this is March of uh, 16. I go upstairs. I la- I'm going to watch it in bed. I usually don't watch TV in bed. I lay down to watch it. I put it on. You know, it's creepy. You know, it, it's flashbacks to The Omen. And about 10 minutes into the show, all the walls started banging like an approval. Like this was their hero was on, Damien. I'm telling you, it was like watching the Cleveland Indian game. You know, with the and the guy hitting the drum constantly. It was unreal. This They were so proud of the Damien show. I jumped up, I turned it off, and it stopped. And it stopped. You know, and it stopped. I'm telling you, they're all around us. I mean, one night, this is twice this has happened. Uh, I, I was laying up and I was so pissed. And I said, you know what? F you, Satan. You know, and I said something right above me. Boom, boom. Right? And then another time I'm laying, I say my prayers now. I said to God, you know, I was feeling bold. I said, it, was, it had been quiet for a couple of weeks. I said, give me the sword of Michael. I will make me your tool. Give me the sword of Michael. I want to slay these things. I'll drive it back to hell. As soon as I said that, right above me on the ceiling is knock, knock, but loud. Boom, boom, right above me. And I don't say who's there because I don't want it to answer me. So, so now, you know, we get to April and this is unbelievable. And I've got pictures. I, I go to, um, I fly to Myrtle Beach. I visit my daughter in North Carolina, then I stay. I do all my writing on vacations, Florida, Myrtle Beach, wherever I go. I I get an epiphany. I said, I'm going to write a book now called The Ufologist, The Haunting of John Ventry, and I'm going to document all of this stuff. And it it only took me about two months to write this book, right? So I'm in the hotel 
uh, the timeshare actually, and I don't have my laptop. So I go to the front desk. I said I actually took paper out of the out of the, out of the, the machine, and I go upstairs. And I wrote 12 pages. Wow. Right. So I I fly home. I get home. I sit right here at my desk. Right. And I'm going to start typing now. Typing my book. So I start formatting, typing it. I look up. 130 feet of my yard went up in flames. What? I, I got pictures. A hundred and I look up my entire yard. It's on the other side of my fence. Never came into my fence. It stayed on the outside of my fence because I had put the well, I had put blessed ornaments in the four corners of the house, and I I believe I drove the demon out. So and I've got pictures. I jump up. I go to. I said I just sat down. Right. I see three guys. I live next to a cemetery, so oh, I can see. John. I can see this. I can. I so can did see Rosalind, this. by the way. So Who? does Rosalind, the woman I just mentioned. So does Oh, she. okay. I live next to the cemetery. So I look out. I see three guys in the cemetery. I grab the phone. I call the police. I said, some kids in the cemetery, because across the street is the college, uh, University of Pittsburgh at Greensburg campus. I said, some kids. And, I, and what I said on the phone was, they must have taken lighter fluid, went right down my fence line on the other side and lit it. Because it was, it was straight across. It never entered. And it was, I counted the poles. They're eight feet apart. It was like 130 feet of, uh, of poles, of, uh, you know, the poles that hold the fence. And uh, so the, the police said, no, uh, they said they just called it in. I didn't realize at that point till later, after this, the fire department came, four engines from, because I'm in the cul-de-sac, it was a hard to get to area. They put it out, right? Mm -hmm. Now, up until that point, when I talked to you last time, I had birds hitting my window. For 19 months, from or 20 months, whatever it is, June of 14 to April of 16, right? Uh, that's uh, 22 months. 22 months, birds were flying into my windows. I have witnesses, right? For 22 straight months, from that day. They no longer flew into my windows, and they have not hit my windows since April 20th. The one thing I found out, and you can see it in the book, right, because there's pictures in there. Those guys in the cemetery were installing my headstone. About six months earlier, I ordered my headstone. I had no, they didn't call me to tell me they were installing it. They said they were going to tell me because I wanted to see it, right? They just, the minute they finished installing it, the headstone is six feet tall. It's in the shape of the Holy Bible. It says, it's a book, it's what the headstone is. On the side, it says Holy Bible. It looks like the pages, there are lines for the pages. There's all religious stuff on it, and then all my information. Now, think about this. I even said this to my priest, because I finally got him here in June to bless the house, not cleanse it, because they got to go up the ladder to do that, right? I told him what happened in April, and I said, is that a coincidence? He looked at me and says, John, that is not a coincidence. The second your, your head, the religious headstone was installed, your yard burst into flames, which is something they do during an exorcism, right? That's why they removed the rug, all the extra furniture, because they, they've done exorcisms, and, and the throw rug has burst into flames because they, they are that powerful. So the, the headstone's delivered. I sit down to write the book. My yard bursts into flames, and the birds stop hitting my windows. You could say I'm crazy. <laughs> That's all physical evidence. I know that 
they, what they realized at that point was I was going to be buried under a religious headstone in the shape of the Holy Bible, and it, they couldn't get my body. You know, I don't know where your soul goes because they say they can't take your soul. I don't know about that. I'm, I don't know. I kind of question if that's true or not because they're trying, trying to get you. But uh, they realized they were never going to get my physical body because it's going under a religious headstone. And it's beautiful. Look at it in the book. It's towards the end of the book. Most beautiful headstone you ever want to see. So, so think about that. I mean, that, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. The book is called The UFOologist, The Haunting of John Ventry. www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on tonight's guest book cover. Lead you right to a place where you can order it from the comfort of your own home. Also, there are two other shows John has been featured in on Night Fright. You can find those in the archives as well. John, before we came on air, we were talking about ancient aliens, and you said you have a brand new theory that nobody has ever come up with before. Yeah. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go into that now, uh, and, and you will be the first to hear this. I don't know of anyone that's ever talked about this. Uh, let me just first set it up a little bit. Uh, that this In June, I went to Scotland, but let me say this first. When I came back, and it's July, I smelled that smell again, the same thing from June of two yeah, years ago. It so it's, Yeah, but this time it wasn't the rotting animal. It was more like sulfur propane. I thought it was propane. Two nights in a row, I went upstairs, the same spot in the hallway where it smelled last time like the, like a, right. a dead animal. It smelled like like the like a, the propane thing, like a like a you know to, mm -hmm. to the barbecue, right? But it was a column. I walk past it, I don't smell it. I went in the bathroom, I don't smell it. I go down the hall, I don't smell it. Two nights in a row, I called the uh, guy from Donahue's air conditioning. Mm -hmm. He checked all the gas. He checked the fireplaces, everything. He says, you don't have a leak, <laughs> you know? And then it dawned on me because the, the logical you is always trying to say, figure out what it is. I said to the guy, I said, oh, I know what it is. And, and, and he said, what? I said, it's happened before. It's a demonic entity. And he looked at me and he said, I can't help you with that. <laughs> I, said, I said, don't worry about it. I know what it is. So, you know, the guy probably thought I was a nut, but... To go back to, because we want to get into uh, this theory, I go to Scotland, uh, to Edinburgh, Scotland in June. I've never been there. And, and I wanted to go. I, what I set up previously, because I, I write some articles and I send it to uh, Phenomenon Magazine, Steve Mira. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know him. Uh, so I, I emailed him and I said, I'm going to Scotland. Is there anybody I can have lunch with? You know, this was so cool. The editor of the um, magazine, uh, Brian Allen and Rob Ritchie, who writes a, a monthly column, meet me at the hotel for lunch. We have a four-hour discussion wow. on UFOs, you know, ghosts, demons, uh, universal consciousness, whatever, whatever, whatever. I keep telling them this is a physical, real thing. Jesus, Satan, battle. We're in the middle. We're the firewall between the two. And and then the one guy, uh, Brian Allen, is saying, no, this is negative energy, like dark energy that's out there. We make it happen through our minds 
that that we control it and we're causing the kinetics we're causing it to happen and some of it he says not even real it's only in your mind you know so i don't buy that because it implies that only bad people have bad things happen in this field you know and i'm not a bad person the other guy believed in the metaphysical universal consciousness that you know it's it, the energy's all around and, and and all of that but we do this four-hour lunch we exchange books uh, and he, he tells me about Rosalind Chapel, Da Vinci Code. Sure. I'm going to Rosalind Chapel. And he says, when you go, look at the east wall on the top of our tiles. It's called the Devil's Cord. I never heard of this before. As a matter of fact, the tour people there didn't know about it, right? But one other spectator, when I was talking, he said, yeah, I'll tell you all about it. A Scottish guy, right? So what it is, is it's, it's a, a group of, it's musical notes that are around the east wall of uh, Rosalind Chapel, right? Okay. And when you play them, it plays a very ominous music, like the organ music. Mm. It's supposed to open a portal to the dark side, create a very negative uh, atmosphere. The Catholic Church uh, uh, made it illegal, whatever they want to call it, to play that music for hundreds of years. They actually said you cannot play this during the, the Middle Ages, let's say. They actually removed a bunch of the tiles so you can't play the whole thing. So that was part one. Part two that I learned was, and it all comes back to Rosalind Chapel and kind of like the Da Vinci Code. Part two was the thing I had been searching for that I've said to so many people was, uh, how powerful are demons? What can they do? You know, can a demon, obviously, you know, like I said last time, there's nine layers, there's nine levels of angels, nine levels of demons, humans are number 10, animals are number 11. So a, an angel is number nine, uh, archangel is number eight, they're more powerful than us, but what can they do? Like, can they, you know, can they split my ha house in half? Can they, they can throw a refrigerator and move furniture, we already know that. Uh, what can they really do? So. I read a lot of books. Nobody can tell me how powerful is Satan. What can Satan really do? Or the levels below him. So in the book, and then I spoke to Brian Allen. He knew all about it, but he never put the pieces together. There's a Latin term out there called Goethia, G-O-E-T-I-A. I mentioned it in my book probably six times, right? Okay. Um, what it is, when you look it up, it is the ability to use frequency, resonance, vibration, like the music, right? to control, to, and, and what, think of a spell, like a witch's spell. Right. You know, they have the spell book and they read it. It has to be said word for word exactly because the words throw off a frequency. And these things come from another dimension is what it is. So when you use the right words and the tone, the frequency, the resonance, it opens that portal when you say it correctly. So when you look up the word Goethia, what do you think I found? You'll never guess it, but I'll tell you. <laughs> King, and, and I never knew it. King Solomon's temple. It says the, the King Solomon's temple. King Solomon was given the words, the frequency, the vibration, the spell to control angels and demons. And that's how he built 
his temple. That's what Goethea is. It's the ability to control angels and demons to do the heavy lifting for you, to con like a genie. The Muslims believe in the jinn, the yeah, jinn of demons. Mm -hmm. and, and what they are is, you know, you rub the lamp or however, whatever you want to do, you get three wishes because they can do things. But that's what they are. You get those three wishes. So, so now think about this. If King Solomon's temple was built by fallen angels or even angels you were able to control them and they moved the stones i it hit me like a like a like another epiphany right who do you think built the pyramids who built baalbek how did they move all of those stones 1200 tons in baalbek they've always said there had to be giants to do it and i told you that hand had to be an eight nine foot tall person that put its hand on my head uh this was the missing key that I was looking for. And I even went a lot further and, I, further, and I wrote a chapter in there why ancient alien theory is wrong. Van Daniken, all of them, they're wrong. They say it's ancient aliens. It's not, it's ancient deities. And this is what always bothered me in this field. And when I watched the ancient alien stuff, I had a lot of credibility. I wrote a book, the Al An Alternative History of Mankind, which is a great story of the aliens, in, you know, interfering in our, our history. But I always just say, why would they quarry stone? Like, if, if it was 500 years from now and it's Star Trek and Star Trek showed up on a planet, would they quarry stone and move the stone if they were going to build something? Or would they have a technology and they would make aluminum or graphene or whatever the metal is right. of the time and nuts and bolts? Quarrying stone never made any sense to me. But I believe all of these sites were mainly used for human ritual sacrifice, which has always gone on, right? The cattle mutilations, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And I think some of them were actually built by the fallen angels that were here and showed themselves in physical form as giants, cyclops, all of those legends and myths right. were actually the, the uh, fallen angels. Just think a 24 to 15 foot guy who's got supernatural powers can can move these stones and, and build them and levitate them. They can. Uh, that was my question. What can they do? So that's my theory on that we got it wrong. But now think of this. And this is what because of Rosalind Chapel with the devil's cord and this whole thing with vibrations. And Tesla was into this 100 years ago. The whole thing with the frequencies and the vibrations. So I said, and I, 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 you know, I do a lot of reading. I know about uh, the the Freemasons and that. I said, okay, now think about this: the Holy Grail. Okay, that was uh, when you think of King Solomon's temple. Who right. he had the script, the spell. He put that in the um, in the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Now, there might have been a chalice or the Ten Commandments, but that script that had those words to control the angels of demons, the Goethea, was put in the Ark of the Covenant. Who found that? The Templar Knights. Where did they bring it? Rosalind uh, Chapel. Temple. It doesn't, it, it lines up. Now, take it further. How did the Freemasons start? The Freemasons do a ritual of the killing of Hiram Abif. The guy who knew the words and how to build King Solomon's temple. He wouldn't tell what he knew, so they killed him. And that's part of the reenactment with the free Freemasons. So now you've got this that's over in, in Roslyn Chapel. So are the Freemasons built on this secret 
Is that really what's in the Ark of the Covenant? And and you could from there, and then I wrote the chapter, I really take it further and further, uh, like the bringing down the walls of Jericho. Was it a trumpet or was it the words and the playing of the right tone and frequency that brought it down? That's Goethea. I believe I've retold our ancient history from the fact that it's ancient deity and not ancient alien. And you'll have to read the chapter because there's obviously a lot more detail. But I, I take it from uh, King Solomon's temple to Roslyn Chapel to the, to the Templars to the Freemasons. That's the hidden secret. That That's the holy grail that people are trying to find. And when you get that, you got a lot of power. It's like having a, a, a you know, the lamp and, and you get three wishes. You get three wishes. What's happening with Hangar 1? We're running out of time. I just want to... Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Hangar 1 is actually in queue. It was not canceled. It's in queue. So History Channel can bring it back at any time. And I, and I believe what they're going to do is um, wait until the ratings on Ancient Aliens drop. I mean, come on. It's 11 seasons of a show that's really written by writers and everything is credited see this i got glasses those glasses could not have been built by humans that had to be built by an essa terrestrial because giorgio can't pronounce the word right you know come on you know eventually that show is going to lose its ratings and i believe they're going to bring hangar one back but i'm also told that we're trying to sell the show to uh, other networks like the sci-fi network netflix can't use that name because because it belongs to history channel right. but it would be uh, the M-Files. I keep pushing for the M-Files, like the X-Files. Sure. I say, why don't we have an M-Files play off the X-Files show? We do the real investigations. That is what we're doing. You know, so I think we'll be back. But, you know, it takes 18 months. We're talking probably 2018. Right. I got you. No, no question. So what are you going to do about this entity that keeps hanging around? Is there any way to get rid of it permanently? Do you think it's a gift? Do you think it's a curse? You know, uh, the stupid part of me um, wants to confront it because I want to see it, and, but that's stupid. That's the stupid part of me. Um, I started going to a church that does the uh, the uh, mass in Latin because I realize now if you do an exorcism, it, it, not an exorcism, but a house cleansing, it has to be done in Latin because when you change from Latin to English to French to German on the yes, mass, yes. Yes. On the on the ritual for the ritual Romanum for the exorcism, you lost the tone, the frequency, the vibration. Exactly you have right. to you have to get the priest who can do it in Latin. I really need to, but it's like I, knowing me, I have to wait until something serious happens, which could be now in October after you know in November, let's say, because they come back, and I shouldn't be waiting. I should be. It takes months, and it took me till June. It took me two years to get the priest here to bless my house. I don't know how long it's going to take to get one to say it in Latin to do a cleansing to drive it out. I need to do that. I really do. But, you know, like, like everything else, you wait until something happens more serious. And the thing that you read is they come back stronger. They move up that level, those nine levels. Right. And what, happened, what showed up in June of 14, what came back in December, Thanksgiving in December of 15 was much more powerful. Mm -hmm. And I'm a fool to be waiting for something to come back to say, now I have to do something. I really need to get, and I, I got a guy in the Episcopal uh, priest or minister that can come down and do it. 
Uh, I'm just a. I, I want the Roman Catholic because that's where it originates from, okay. and I want it done in Latin. But if 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 it's a panic situation, I can get the paranormal past the Reverend Swope out of Erie. He's spoken at my conferences up there. He's a friend of mine. He'll I'll pay him. He could drive down. He can do it. And uh, you know, but but that's a last resort if I have to have it done immediately. But it should be done in Latin, and and that's that is what I learned. It has to be the right word resonance yeah the right tone it's it's read that book i think my book is groundbreaking on this Mm -hmm. and um you mentioned the pyramids before too john just to let you know that the inner sanctum of the pyramids are made out of a special uh stone for the resonance for the for the sound yeah for the resonance yeah and and the vibrations and things so there's something to what you're saying i believe did you ever hear this uh, before by uh, any uh, anybody no. in the field? No. And it was right there in Brian Allen's book. It, it hit me like a punch to the face. I said, that's what I've been looking for. So I went to Scotland with that question on my mind because I can't finish my book until I know what they're capable of doing. And there it was. So this was all synchronicity. Those guys kept using the word synchronicity, synchronicity. And I I then emailed them back and said, there was a synchronicity to our meeting and talking. And what I found out, you gave me the last step I was missing. Nick Redfern gave me the first step with the Collins Elite. Remember we talked about? Yes, sir. We talked about the Collins Elite, the Greys lamb who was conjured up by Alistair Crowley and he was a gray right there look there kind of didn't have the big eyes but he is a gray if, if a demonic ritual conjures up a gray how are gray aliens alien they're not they're not I don't believe they are there's the music John I gotta go thank you so much my friend we'll have you back on in a few months to find out what, what else is happening and if there's an emergency don't forget the prayer of protection john ventry's been our guest tonight the ufoologist the haunting of john ventry i'm brent holland from night fright see you all next time thank you john. thank you Accounts for yours right now, nightfrightshow.com.